Next on BYUSN, men's hoops loses at Baylor last night. Our top takeaways, and are we more encouraged or discouraged by the performance? Jonathan Tabernari discusses that and whether his expectations have changed through two Big 12 games. Will this be the day that women's basketball makes history and gets their first Big 12 win against another newcomer at Houston? Plus, we dive into the deep blue with BYU's reserve forward towns and triple. This is how we're doing the middle of the week. I like the preposition. Like, it's a place and we're going there and it's deep. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, January 10th. I'm Jerem Jordan. He is a man who likes to sit in the splash zone. Dave McKinn. Years ago at SeaWorld, yep. I'm in the splash zone. You think you're going to get a little wet, but this beluga whale had another plan, and we were soaked. That's the last time I've been in the splash zone. Uh, I've called millions of basketball games at Soap Fields, never been in the splash zone, but we saw it come last night to yep. Greg and Mark. Late in the game, Mark Pope frustrated by a call that we were all, all frustrated by, slams the water bottle on Mark Durant, Gregor Bell, and Tyson Jacks are in the splash zone. <laughs> so this water bottle was memorialized by Mark Durant, who apparently kept it, and after the game tweeted, posted without comment. <laughs> the greatest Dasani bottle in BYU sports history. That sums up a lot of the second half right there, the shape of that water bottle and how the game <laughs> finished out. But maybe there'll be a splash zone on the Mark Pope show tonight. I don't know. It would be funny if maybe some people we'll came and punched us. I, I think that would be really, really funny. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Going Welcome you to Waco. Love going to try for the lead. With a right hand over the left shoulder. Down the lane, no help. Huge bank. Here's none. Extra pass. The love machine. Baylor's going to bounce it out. 81-72 is your final score. Ah, the love machine. There will be no singing, I think, uh, going to break. Never on, heard that before. On, on this program. Don't, don't tease Blaine, though. He'll yeah, do it. I, yeah. Blaine is quite the singer. He'll bring a guitar next season. Yes, he will. Piano, the whole deal. He can do it all. <laughs> What's Trending is presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU lose to Baylor 81-72, 12-3 overall, 0-2 in the Big 12. We begin with Mark Pope on his thoughts of how the game went. I was proud of my guys. They fought hard and, and uh, didn't go the way we wanted it to. Um, but I'm really proud of them. Uh, I thought they uh, put a ton of fight into it. We, we could have executed a little bit better on the offensive and defensive ends down the stretch, but um, that's, a, that's a space we're going to have to keep growing. Okay, Dave, uh, that was Mark's general thoughts on uh, the game. What were some of your top takeaways? Three quick things. BYU played better last night. They are capable of performing like a top 20 team. First half, I thought they looked as good as they looked all season, but they've got to do it for two halves. Two games in the Big 12, two bad second halves, and two defeats. They're good enough, and it's not a mystery of whether or not they can compete in this conference, but they got to compete with for, for both halves. The foul shot disparity has fans up in arms. It was 28 to 14 uh, last night. Cincinnati got a lot of calls uh, in the Saturday game. But this is a BYU offense that attacks from the outside in the no foul zone, right? What do you hear a coach say? Don't foul a three-point shooter or someone who's out there shooting. Trevor Nell continues to drop those, by <laughs> he the way. He finally gets some of those, too. But, but that's where they're not getting – but Cincinnati and Baylor, they attack the rim. They've got some size, but their guards are going in. A little lazy defense, a lot of reaches, get a lot of fouls. But these two teams have attacked the rim. They get fouls, they go to the free throw line. If BYU wants to get to the free throw line more often – They've got to attack the rim, and we saw a little of that with Foose 
last night as he's getting his legs back. And the third thing I thought, Ali Khalifa, the offense runs better with Khalifa on the floor right now. So that's, that's, that's going to be a transition of, but Khalifa's outside and Foos is inside. You want to get to the free throw line, if that's your thing, then it's Foos. But if you want to run the offense get the ball to the shooters, it's running much smoother uh, with Khalifa, who had another set of amazing passes last night. Didn't score, but a, but a shot. Um, but, but those are the three things that I'm looking for. Optimistic for sure, but they've got to clean some things up or this is going to be a, a rinse and repeat. Yeah, certainly uh, Saturday at UCF, you have to win that game. I, I don't see a scenario where BYU makes the NCAA tournament and loses at UCF. I, I just think BYU has to win at UCF. Feels dramatic Feels in game like three it. to say, you know, something like that. But to your point, um, yeah, BYU played much better. I'm, uh, you know, we'll get to that in a second. But um, BYU did not, first off, guard its yard, as it says, well enough. The athleticism and the length of Baylor and teams like Baylor in the Big 12 is the biggest difference between the WCC and the Big 12. There are Jalen Bridges and Jacoby Walter and Nunn and Love – these guys are quick, fast, long, versatile. That gives BYU some uh, trouble. BYU has some of those guys, but the majority of BYU's team is more good team-connected basketball, good shooters, going to work hard, going to hustle, going to run the system, going to buy in, going to be a great teammate. That is the majority of what BYU's team is. BYU is not built to get to the free throw line. They are built to get out in transition, play connected, shoot open threes, play solid defense. BYU got beat off the dribble way too much, created two-on-ones, three-on-twos, odd man rushes, if you will, to use the hockey phrases. Now BYU's reaching. In football, you hold if you're getting beat off the edge. In basketball, it's, it's the reach. It's those fouls. I do not feel as passionately as the majority of you at home about the officiating last night. I feel like BYU didn't defend well enough. If you don't want a speeding ticket, don't speed. And BYU sped a lot in this game, if you will. The free throws really hurt, though. Like, that is the biggest difference in the game. Turnovers also, 14 from BYU. That is a, a thing you can control completely. Whether I give you the basketball or not is up to me, Dave. That's 32 yeah. in two Big 12 games. That's a huge number. 18 points off turnovers for Bailey. They were plus 14 there. Better three-point shooting was nice. Trevenel, 3 of 5. Spencer Johnson, 3 of 6. Everybody else, 3 of 13. Uh, BYU got way more twos in this game. Remember, they only made eight twos on uh, Saturday. Made 17, had 34 of the points come from there, got to the line. Um, that you, in the first half, BYU was 7 of 7, and it was like, okay, that's good enough. You know, the percentage, obviously, right. perfect. Didn't shoot a free throw until Trevenel got fouled on that uh, three-pointer with like 5.45 to go or something like that. Um, and, and then uh, another takeaway, that camera angle, man. It was just, a, it was steep, bro. It's almost like they what designed this brand-new building and, and – uh, People forgot to call the TV guys. Like the, the, the top of the lower bowl is where you should put your camera. Yeah. Like Marriott Center kind of has a high one, but it's not as high as that. No. Like, okay then. So those are some of the top takeaways. I, like we mentioned with free throw shooting, that was tough. So as you mentioned, 21 to 28 for Baylor, 11 to 14 for BYU. Which That's, is better than the 5 of 10 BYU shot against yeah, Cincinnati. Yes, the Free throw is. line hasn't been their friend. And those three misses were kind of in the last five minutes, so they felt exaggerated. Right? Yeah, in, sure. In that. But here's, uh, here's Mark Pope on the free throw disparity. Well, I'd love to give you the answer, I really think, but I won't. Um, it's, uh, it's um, you know, our job right now is to really break into that and see how we could have uh, done this better and kept them off the free throw line. So, um, 
you know, there's a ton of effort and a ton of energy on the floor. Um, and our guys are playing really tough and really hard. And we just have to, um, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to really, really dig into the film and really, really try and find the avenue of, of how we can, um, you know, um, pacify the whistle a little bit. So there's a certain amount of frustration, obviously, there from Mark Pope, which, by the way, obviously the water bottle moment expresses. In that, in that moment, it felt like there was either a travel or a jump ball that needed to be called, but it was a foul, and that was sort of, it was 75-70. There's under a minute to go. Now it's a technical with two free throws. Game kind of ends in that moment. But that was a frustrating moment for Mark Pope, for the players, for a lot of people. What I wish Mark would have said would have been what he said in 2019 after BYU lost at Utah which sounded like this. This was amazing. That's probably the best crew that's ever set foot on the planet. And I'll tell you this, uh, a really brave and courageous crew. I mean, that crew, I would take them every single game. They're amazing. <laughs> See, that's I wish you would have said that, but <laughs> the, yeah, that was The sarcasm was fantastic. I, what I would have wished for is if you're going to get a tee, get it earlier. Mm. And, and get the officials' attention. That's usually why coaches do it. Maybe during that or time. Or your team's attention, something. First seven minutes of the second half, BYU commits seven fouls. Baylor's in the bonus at 13. Yeah, get your tee right then. They're in the double bonus at six minutes. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if you need to smash a water bottle, but you can find other ways to get a, yeah. a technical foul. Although, don't we wish we kind of had Dave Rose's jacket from when he threw it against Gonzaga? That's still the Mark fastest jacket <laughs> removal in the history of mankind. The, Mr. Mack has never seen the, the locks of a jacket removal like that. That water bottle, yeah. I hope Mark Durant kept that thing and brought it back because that's, uh, that's something. So, so yeah, were, were you, were you in, were encouraged or discouraged after watching the whole game? Okay, once upon a time, my, my wife and I had a dog, and we at like 11 p.m. at night, she was like, I don't think we should have the dog anymore. And I said, you know when's not to discuss this? Right now. We're both tired. We're both upset. It's not the time to be overly discouraged after a loss at Baylor where you should have lost anyway. Um, so I am encouraged by the way that BYU played overall. The, the connectedness was better. That was more of the BYU team basketball. Obviously, turnovers and fouls are the correctable errors right now for BYU. But I'm encouraged by better three-point shooting, by getting at the rim, by uh, you know, getting to the foul line a little more than they did on Saturday. You're supposed to lose at Baylor. And BYU competed well, actually led more in this game than Baylor did, by the way. And so, yes, you're like, ah, a few things here and there, and maybe BYU wins this game, and maybe they're doing what we talked about yesterday, which is making up for the Cincinnati loss. But now is not the time to be overly discouraged about BYU basketball. You just played at Baylor, where they're 63-6 and in their last 70 home, or, uh, 69 home games. You know, if, you, if BYU loses to UCF on Saturday afternoon, now it's time to really be discouraged. I believe BYU goes in and win that, wins that game. And then you have Iowa State coming in Tuesday, by the way. I think who just beat the yeah. only unbeaten team left in Houston in the country. Yeah, it's going to be something. Eey. I think the frustration comes from BYU could have won that game last night. And, and for the most part, should have won that game last night. And the Cincinnati game. Cincinnati wasn't a better team. They just turned the script in the second half, and BYU couldn't hit a shot. Uh, and so in that moment, they were the better team, I should say. But Cincinnati was a winnable game. There, were, there weren't any players out there that, that you thought, they are just so much better than, than BYU's. Um, and so 0-2 in two games, you had a really good chance to win, even though one game was like, hey, you shouldn't have done that, you shouldn't have had a chance, but you did. I think that's where the frustration is. Just like in football, 5-2, and two, 
hey, it's not just going bowling. We're going to go to a decent bowl. That's where our mind goes. And uh, these two games, uh, you know, how we feel after Iowa State and Texas and Houston come to Provo, we'll, we'll judge those feelings uh, in a week or two when they, when they get here. But these first two games, BYU could just as easily be 2-0 and and still the talk of the country. And instead they're 0-2 and, uh, and, and looking to get some oxygen in Orlando on Saturday and go as far away from here as they're going to go and get a road win. And, and they've lost seven in a row on the road. Yep. Uh, it, it's tough to do, uh, even against a team that you're picked ahead of, the only team you're picked ahead of in the preseason poll. There's a lot of pressure on Saturday. There, there really no is. Uh, John Rothstein uh, tweeted the following, and I, I, I felt you know, that this was true. Every Big 12 game feels like an NCAA tournament game. There was an intensity to that that was, that was really good. Watching Iowa State and Houston uh, last night, watching Cincinnati lead uh, late in the game against Texas, and then Texas uh, makes a basket with you know, six seconds left in that game to win. Um, man. It's, it's it, so much fun. It is. Yes! I never. It's just fun. I never once put up multiple games in the <laughs> WCC era of non-BYU and thought, I am enjoying this. This is awesome. So it's going to be tough. To your point, look down the road for BYU. So it's UCF Saturday. You have to win that game. 75% chance by Ken Palm, by the way. Iowa State at home Whew. looks even tougher than you thought before. Texas Tech looks really good right now. And they're at Lubbock. For that. <sighs> that one's hard. And then Houston comes in, who pre was the last undefeated team in the country until last night. Texas comes in, who uh, escaped in Cincinnati, as mentioned. At West Virginia, as of now, that's a quad three. Uh, sorry, the home game with West Virginia will be. It's quad two on the road. At Oklahoma, who looks good. Kansas State at home. There's certain, like, right now, UCF twice, West Virginia three, Oklahoma State four, Kansas State you're hoping to get one or both five, let's say, and then Oklahoma State maybe at home seven. You've got to get, like, at least that to feel like you've got a shot at 19 wins going into Kansas City, maybe get a win there 20. You're in the tournament at that point. I feel like if BYU gets to 18, 19 wins, we're, we're feeling pretty good but a little nervous on the bubble-ish. Get to 20, you're going to be in. So where are those wins going to come? They've, it's the next one's got to be Saturday. The first one's got to be Saturday. If it's not Saturday, and you just looked at those those teams, BYU could be playing better, even their best basketball, and lose the first nine games in the conference. Maybe even 10 if you count Kansas State before UCF comes to Provo. At that point, you probably and, aren't making the turn. And you think you're not going to go six. There's no three way they're going to do that. But then you break down each individual matchup and you go, um, yeah, that that. That's possible. No auto wins. Uh, 0-9 possible, not likely. But um, but it starts Saturday. You've got to win Saturday. Yeah. Mark Pope was asked in the post game if he felt like there would be any regression in the Big 12. Here's what he said. And for sure, the level of competition is gonna is there's gonna be a little bit of regression. You know, for the next 18 games, we're playing top 25 teams, right? So it's it's more of a even playing field. Um, and you know, it's only our second game on the road, so there's there's some space in there. Uh, you know, uh, so that's gonna be something that we're gonna grow into. That we're really excited about growing into. It's one of the beautiful things about being in this league uh, as our as our first year is we get to kind of figure this out and grow into this, and we will. I got guys that are really devoted and dedicated and together and so we'll keep going into it the question isn't whether it's going to be tougher we know it's going to be tougher right. can be why you handle it i believe they will be able to what that looks like hopefully is at least 7 and 11 in the league 
I, I think our expectations have adjusted just a little bit, seeing the first two games. I, but again, I need to see nine games in league to really know what BYU is in this league. Yeah. And then hopefully in the back nine, uh, we have a better understanding of what BYU is and what to expect. The two first halves in the Big 12, BYU's looked like a contender. Yeah. Uh, the second halves of those two games, BYU looks like the new kid in town. Minus 15 and minus 18. Or sorry, 18 and 15 in those two games. Yeah. That's tough. Only two games they've been out-rebounded the entire season. Well, just, you just BYU won the rebounding battle last night. Oh, they did? They, they did. Do that? that didn't. So yesterday I said, hey, you look at rebounding, I can tell you what happens in the game. That didn't end up being as big a deal. It was actually turnovers and fouls, which led to free throws. Our question of the day is this. Were you more encouraged or discouraged by BYU's loss to Baylor last night? Weigh in on uh, X, Facebook, and Instagram. At TrueBlue, uh, BYU1984. That is the most True Blue Blue Goggled handle of all time, is it not? <laughs> Besides at Blue Goggles. It's a good one. Much more encouraged. We drove inside a lot more, took less threes. This is how we'll compete in the Big 12, as Baylor's probably the second toughest road game we have this season. I agree with that. I think at Kansas is one. You don't, you don't go to Houston, otherwise that might be the second toughest as a quality team. But Texas Baylor, Tech's going to be tough. Texas it's going to be low. What's, going to be there's no easy, like UCF and West Virginia and Oklahoma State. We don't even like know why easiest. UCF seems like it's going to be easier. We don't even know. We They're nine and four. There. Yeah. There's only three teams that have four or more losses in the league right now, by the way. It yeah. is nuts. And then you add Arizona next year. Yeah. Which is just crazy. Graydon Larson on Instagram, discouraged that the guys can't seem to make their shots down the stretch. Ball mm -hmm. movement was the strength of this team in limiting turnovers. The last two games reversed this trend, and unforced errors were rampant. Part of the deal of playing better competition, who are longer, more athletic, a little faster, the no, no Pacific Pepperdine uh, sitting there for BYU. So we, we knew this would happen, uh, but BYU competed better last night at Baylor, not expected to win. Go beat UCF, and then if BYU can beat Iowa State at home, two and two, uh, you know, through through four, and we're going, okay, that's probably what we thought would happen anyway. So uh, let's let's figure it out. Maybe three and one. Best win of the season so far, San Diego State. Clearly. They played two good halves. Yes. And, and won. And they were Figured out in the final two. good team. Yep. Tonight, BYU basketball with Mark Pope is on the BYU TV app, 8 8.30 Eastern time. The coach and Ali Khalifa will join Greg Rubel. Only first play we've heard from since the Cincinnati loss. So we'll be eager to, to get his take on life in the Big 12. They'll size up last night and look ahead to Saturday at UCF. He doesn't come in through the front door. He'll pass you the ball in the back door. That's what he does. <laughs> Jonathan Tavernari on BYU's loss at Baylor. Coming up after the break. Have his expectations changed? What has he learned about Big 12 basketball? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. The Cougars keep on rolling. Throws it down. Driving lane, Richie Saunders, Khalifa, Robinson. Hammers it home on the alley-oop. Now. Johnson will take it down the lane. Good, Spencer Johnson. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Coming off of a loss at Baylor for the BYU men's basketball team, Jeremy Jordan alongside Dave McCann. To break it down, we've already shared our opinions. Let's get the thoughts of Jonathan Tavernari, one of the BYU legends on BYU Sports Nation. JT, welcome back to the program, man. Appreciate you guys having me, Dave. Great to see you again. JJ, my guy. Let's go. Great to be with you guys. Vamos la. Okay, BYU uh, at Baylor. We knew this would be one of the tougher games that BYU played. Cougars were up uh, seven at the break. They get outscored by uh, 15 in the second half, and they end up losing this one. 
What were some of your top takeaways from BYU's second loss in Big 12 play? Uh, Dad, we are about a couple of decisions away from being able to be, you know, 15 and 0. I mean, a minimum 14 and 1. Um, you know, the way we played in the first half was incredible. Have that momentum. And then I think in the second half, it, it, things just didn't go our way, right? Um, water bottles were pushed against the table. Frustrations <laughs> let us get the best of us. Um, but I think that it, 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 basketball is a chess game. And the more you get to a place that you are able to understand um, the mistakes you make and not repeat them, right? Dave Rose used to say, Let's not make the same mistake twice. Let's make make sure that we have different mistakes done. Uh, and I think BYU is learning that, right? Um, played Travin the way that he should have played. They played Jackson, who played much better. Ali was a factor. Um, but I think that, it, you know, maybe Foose is not all almost there yet. But I was excited. I thought defensively, you know, when you gave up 40 points, you know, uh, the problem is the second half you gave up about 50 points which is tough. But if you can figure out a way to keep it at under 40 in 35, which is what they did in the first half, I think the problem is towards the end of the game, um, turnovers came in and, and kind of haunted them a little bit again, right? And then shots are not falling, and then Baylor is at home. But to be able to get the game away that they were, you know, for the first 30 minutes, I think it was a great thing. And then afterwards, it just kind of got out of hand, right? I like what golf analyst Ken Venturi said one time. He said, never follow a bad shot with another bad shot, which is uh, advice for all walks of life. And you touched on I it a moment ago. I never took that advice, by the way, Dave, as you know better than I do. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, well there's, there's another shot, the third shot, which is Saturday uh, with Central Florida. Does it feel like it's a must win coming off these last two, or did you see enough good in last night's game to sense that the team is, is going to get this thing figured out? Um, it's something that Jer and Jaron and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I was at the pregame show. Um, Jaron made a prediction at the beginning of the season that I absolutely loved, and, and I kind of built on that, which is if they were to win 12, 10 or 11 non-conference games, they could give themselves a shot to, to go to the NCAA tournament. If they won six or seven um, regular season games on the conference. Um, I think Spencer Linton's prediction is that they're going to go nine and nine. Is it far-fetched to say they're going to go nine and nine? I feel like against Central Florida is a game that they can steal, that maybe it's a game on the road that you weren't expecting to win, but you're able to do things to win that game, right? Um, because you look at the, the way that we lost to Cincinnati and the way we lost to Baylor. Maybe the Baylor game got a little bit away from us, but the Cincinnati game didn't. I mean, they, I don't feel like Cincinnati won that game. I feel like we lost that game. And I think those are two different things. And so as you go to UCF, it's not supposed to be one of the powerhouses. They're not on the top tier of the Big 12. You go there and you win that game, I think your morale go through the roof. Because I don't think you're far away from making – you know, you say one bad shot, Dave, two bad shots, three bad shots. I mean, you don't win and lose a game in one single shot at the final shot. You do it throughout the game, right? And so if they can fix maybe just, you know, five details, I think they're right there. You know, I think right now Dallin is being asked a little bit too much to handle the ball. And maybe towards the end of the game, he's a little bit worn out. Um, so different things like they did last night with Jackson, you know, kind of handling uh, ball handle 
uh, duties for a little bit. It was great. I really, really hope we can get Foose back because the way that him and Atiki can attack internally, uh, right to start the second half, one of the things that came to me was Foose came into the post, Atiki came into, uh, excuse me, Ali came into the post. They almost went to double him because they are so big and good. And they made one, two, three extra passes. If you make two or three, you know, quick passes, you get an open shot. And Trevin knocked down a beautiful shot that we could see, by the way, right from the top. I felt like I needed to get binoculars to watch it on my tv but that's a conversation for another day right and so um but i i i, I i'm re super excited for the game against ucf on saturday i think that it's a great chance for them to get the monkey off their backs to just be able to feel good about winning a game that maybe they're you know obviously they're 18th in the country but maybe they're not supposed to win because they're on the road but that builds on you. Uh, Jeremy and Dave, it reminds me a lot of my freshman year when we went to New Mexico. We desperately needed a win in conference. Um, we needed a win, period. And it, it happened to be my day. And, and Coach Rose called my number. I had, you know, a career high for my freshman year that day. And I shot the lights out. And so I'm hoping that's the type of game that BYU has on Saturday because, you know, it would be great to get, you know, this 9-9 nine nine you know, win going because we already have two losses, so we can't have too many more of those. Yeah, you got to start to win. And certainly UCF is, uh, it looks by Ken Palm, the third most winnable road game for BYU. It, they're the third lowest team in net. But, hey, that's 78. What that means is this is not even a quad one. It's quad two, which is why you, you need to go and win that game. So it sounds like, and we discussed this, that you're more encouraged than discouraged given the way BYU played against Baylor versus how they played against Cincinnati. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and again, I had a couple of discussions on Twitter. Jer uh, Jerem, have you ever seen me have an argument with somebody on Twitter Never. first time, right? <laughs> um, one of the things that I would say is I am encouraged. Um, Cincinnati is not the upper tier of the Big 12. I don't care what you say. I don't care metrics. Um, they are not the Kansases, the Texas, and so on. And for you to lose that game at home, you're like, crap. What happened? Like, this is supposed to be our party. Who spoiled the party? Can we press reset? And so, but to lose at Baylor, you understand. But the way we lost at Baylor, right? Um, I understand it. And look, I'm of the firm believer that referees make mistakes, just like players miss shots. And just like coaches, you know, don't necessarily put players back in when they need, right? And so I, I get it. But, but referees aren't held, unfortunately, to a standard that they should. Because when you make questionable calls the way you did and the way they do, um, somebody needs to say something, right? But that's, again, another conversation for another time. Um, but it encouraged me, especially the first half. The way BYU played in the first half against Baylor, I think they would have given Kansas a fit. Um, Jackson was attacking. Richie was running the floor. Dallin was making passes. Ali was swinging around. Trevin was knocking down shots. Um, uh, Foose was active. I mean, my goodness, I just pretty much listed all of the guys that are major rotation players, and they all contributed in a gate in a, on, a, on a very, really great way um, to build that six-point lead. And so, it, it, to be able to see that if they can figure out a way, and right, you know, if it was great, we all would quit this media thing and businesses and so on, and we would bottle this and suddenly become gazillionaires. If they could bottle the way that they played in the first half and get as close to it defensively, first of all, but obviously offensively, because that's how you win games. I think that BYU, you know, definitely seven, eight wins are not far-fetched still. 
JT, this is an offense that doesn't get to the free throw line very often. They haven't all season. Certainly haven't as much as their opponents in these first two Big 12 games. But, but these guys shooting outside beyond the arc while the other teams are attacking the basket. You attack the basket, you seem to get the foul call. Saw a lot of them last night. Some were good calls, some weren't. But there were so many of them that Cougar Nation kind of got bent out of shape by the disparity. But if BYU wants to get to the free throw line more often, it's got to go through Foose and attacking the basket down low, doesn't it? I, I couldn't agree with you more, Dave. I mean, it's uh, let's also be realistic here. Uh, he hasn't played for almost two months now, right? I mean, I think it was Thanksgiving in Vegas, and he is slowly coming back. I mean, that's easily a month and a half almost. And so uh, this is where Mark Pope and his staff deserve a ton of credit of this incredibly, you know, overhaul and 180 turn of the way that the team is playing. Um, they designed this so they would play inside and out, inside and uh, outside in. Um, you, me, and Blaine talked about the, uh, this at the Wise Guys on Monday. Um, they're missing that. And so, and I think when you're missing that and you're missing your main post player, um, it's no different than how we would play through Trent Placid, through Keeney Young, and how myself, Jackson Emery, even Jimmer before he went bonkers his senior year, how we would benefit because we were all able to play from a player through a post on a way that allows you to um, give you different possibilities and different looks. And so, yeah, they're not going inside as much because um, they are doing things without foos. And proud and happy for Jackson for being able to attack the basket, especially towards the end of the game and knock down the free throw. Um, I was very, another thing that I'm really excited about, Ali was able to be more aggressive and even look for situations on a post to score. They had to come and double him because he was so close to the basket. And so I think he did amazing things. I'm very, you know, uh, I'm encouraged by what I saw. Uh, but uh, Jaron, to your point of earlier, it's time to get their win so, you know, we can build the momentum and say, hey, you know, this is working. Let's keep going on this direction. Jimmer Fredette had a tremendous Zoom background. I would say your rival's that. Uh, yeah. it, it's pretty good. Is that pink shoe from the 2010 Utah game, by the way? It is from nice. the 2010 game. It, it, you know, I, like I said, you know, I guess this guy from Glenn's Walls keep taking away my number one spot. <laughs> but if I have to be number two, you know, to, you know, to James Taft, I'm okay with that, but I will issue him another challenge. You tell me the time to meet at Angelina's will have an eat-off of who <laughs> see who can eat more pizzas. I'm ready to go, Jimmer. Let me know when, baby. Let's My money's go. on you, JT, on the pizza off. JT, we appreciate the insight and the time, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, and always and forever, fellas, go Cougs. Great go Cougs. Jonathan Tavernari on BYU Sports Nation. When he was in the zone... And then when Jimmer was in the zone, and now we've seen Trevor Nell Eating get in the or zone. shooting? Shooting. Yeah. <laughs> there are two zones. Gotcha. Uh, that would be the O zone. This is the, but, but those three shooters are phenomenal. We're just starting to see Nell start to gun it more frequently. Yep. But Tevinari and, and Jimmer were. It was a special group, man. Something to see. It was fun. Cougars hit the road for Orlando, where at least it's warmer than it is here, and there's no snow in the forecast. Pre-game coverage on BYU Radio starts Saturday at 3 Eastern with tip-off at 4. That's a 2 p.m. Mountain Time tip, an earlier one on Saturday. Coming up, down goes Houston, the Big 12 Roundup Men's Hoops Edition on deck, and the latest on Dawson Baker's foot. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
Hey, follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the entire day. Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We are everywhere. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Jeremy. He's Dave. Let's get you today's headline. Number 18 men's basketball loses on the road at 14th ranked Baylor, 81-72. Cougars led by six at halftime, led by as many as nine in the second half. But the Bears came charging. BYU falls to 12-3 on the season, 0-2 in the Big 12. Despite the loss, the Cougars stay at number four in the net rankings. Membership has its privileges. Mm -hmm. Only fell two spots in Ken Palm to number 11. Big road game at UCF on Saturday. Dawson Baker did not travel with the team. Mark Pope said he's seeing a doctor today because his foot isn't getting better after surgery over the summer. He's played in four games, could medically redshirt, but can't play after this week if that's the decision the team makes. So we'll see what happens with Dawson Baker. If he comes back healthy for the next two years, potential superstar. And it's, and it's tough because he does what BYU needs, which is get to the rim and get to the free throw line. Women's basketball looking for their first Big 12 win of the season. They're tonight at Houston. Hey. Both teams enter the game 0-3 in Big 12 play. You can listen to Jason Shepard's call starting at 8 Eastern on BYU Radio. Shep called the TJ Hawes buzzer beater at Houston. So in the same a, building, That's a good right? omen, yeah, for Tita Center. Let's go. Kingsley Suamataia is on the Senior Bowl roster as one of seven underclassmen. Remember, they changed that role this year. So that's cool for Kingsley. And receiver Cade Moore has entered the transfer portal. 49ers linebacker and Cougar great Fred Warner been named to the second annual NFL Players All-Pro team. That's where the players vote for the All-Pros themselves, so they have no one to blame but themselves. And then the other All-Pro team will be up. That's pretty cool. Being All-Pro is a big deal. And he's and in there with Puka as an All-Pro this year, right? In the Pro Bowl. Uh, in the Pro Bowl, yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll see if Puka's named uh, All-Pro. But yeah, being All-Pro is the highest honor. It's not The Pro Bowl is nice, the All-Star game. But all pros legit, so Fred might get that uh, from the writers as well. As he should. And Kenneth Rooks announced yesterday that he's foregoing his final year of eligibility for track and field and cross country at BYU to pursue a professional running career. He announced that he signed a pro deal with Nike. So no more American heritage for Kenneth Rooks. He's going to miss that class. <laughs> it's a hard class. I actually liked but I it. I liked it. It was I, very interesting. I really liked it. Maybe I had uh, Matthew Holland, Jeffrey R. Holland's son, who was yeah. later the UVU president and so on. Right. He was great. I don't know what everyone's complaining about. Is it hard for you guys? American Heritage? Yes, yes, I'm getting thumbs up. Maybe the challenge up. is you're in there with 600 of your fellow <laughs> students at the same time, trying I, to figure out what, I'm in an arena. This should be a basketball game. Not a, but I learned more in American Heritage that had to do with real life yeah. than most of my other classes. I just, yeah, the politics and the religion mix. Good. I thought that was kind good of fun. Stuff. Okay, that wraps up today's headlines. Let's recap what happened in the Big 12 last night with the Big 12 Roundup. Number two, Houston at Iowa State. Houston, last undefeated team in the country. They lose 57-53. Milan Momchilovic made a game-winning jumper with 30 seconds left. How about Iowa State's seventh win against a top 10 opponent last two years? That's most in the country. They look good. We'll see them next Tuesday at the Marriott Center. Uh, Texas, 25th in the country. They go to Cincinnati. How would Cincinnati respond to their big win in Provo? Well, they get beat late. On a shot by Max, Acemas with six seconds to go. Longhorns win it by one. And now teams are one and one in league play. Kansas State at West Virginia. Kansas State pulled it away in the second half, 81-67. Trailed by two at the break. Cam Carter scored 23 for K-State, who's 2-0 in the league. West Virginia 0-2. Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Red Raiders 90-73. Five players in double figures. Pop Isaacs had 24. They're 2-0. Cowboys are 0-2 in conference play. And two more games tonight. 
Number three, Kansas at UCF. BYU's next opponent. Kansas coming off a two-point win against TCU on Saturday. Controversial finish there with a yeah. flagrant foul call and then a late bucket by Hunter Dickinson. Kansas a seven-point favorite according to Ken Palm. Nine, Oklahoma's at TCU. Sooners beat Iowa State in the Big 12 opener. TCU with that tough loss to Kansas. They really had Kansas beat. They're a one-point favorite according to Ken Palm, those Horn Frogs. And so another night of battles in the Big 12. In a Wednesday, on a Wednesday. I think BYU is what, one Wednesday game late in the year? And that's it? It's mostly Saturday, mostly Saturday, Tuesday. Tuesday. I like Saturday, Tuesday. I'm cool with it. Yeah. Tuesdays used to be the slow down this show. No, they're not. Uh, we have games. Everything's hopping. That wraps up the Big 12 Roundup. We'll uh, bring our lassos next time. Uh, let's whip it. Google Whip Round is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. How big of a loss would it be if Dawson Baker is gone for the season with that medical redshirt. We haven't seen full Dawson Baker, but I'm telling you, the dude gets to the free throw line and gets to the rim, which BYU could really use right now. JT mentioned Dallin Hall's being asked to do a lot right now. Oh, Dawson Baker would have helped that. Yeah. My, my feeling on this is that we are going to see Dawson Baker shut it down and uh, medically redshirt now two years after this, which, hey, that foot did not heal properly. That's the issue. He had surgery in the offseason. Unfortunately, it sounds like we may not have those. Baker back next season with almost all the team, adding Colin Chandler. Um, and Isaac Davis. And Isaac Davis. Uh, a healthy Dawson Baker means good things for BYU. No Johnson, no Waterman. Waterman could apply for another year and perhaps get it. We'll see. But Johnson for sure is done. He's going to be 27 next year. So there you go. <laughs> Will women's hoops get their first Big 12 win tonight against Houston? Both teams are 0-3 in Big 12 play. It's a great opportunity for them. They're on the road. But they haven't played great at home. It comes down to turnovers. They're asking a lot out of those two freshman guards. Uh, there'll be a lot of attention on Lauren Gustin down low. The guards have got to hit shots, Woolston and, uh, and Whiting. They can do that. They can beat Houston tonight. This would be a big one for them. This is the one, and it's the Shep Karma, like I mentioned. Yeah. Of having called that buzzer beater. They do it again. I find it interesting that earlier this week, Tiger Woods and Nike announced their separation after a 27-year partnership, and a day later, Nike signs Kenneth Rooks. Is Kenneth Rooks the new <laughs> Tiger Woods? Uh, he's going to curse way less than Tiger, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Uh, no, but Kenneth is Kenneth, the best Kenneth Rooks. Uh, excited for Kenneth um, because I like 30 Rock, and so Kenneth, but... Also, this year, he could go to the Olympics, man, and yeah. represent the United States. He's like, on track to do that, and he's good enough to do it. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Good he's, for him. He's, uh, gosh dang it, he's capable as well. Okay, uh, promoter Roy Engelbrecht announced his plan to launch an event. He's deemed the ir Irrelevant Bowl, which he hopes will feature the two worst teams in college football going head-to-head. -head. Would you watch the Irrelevant Bowl? And had it been this year, it would have been... Uh, Vanderbilt versus Akron, 2-10 and 10 versus 1-11. You know, I watched a lot of the bowl games. <laughs> we need more relevant balls. <laughs> yes, we do. Than, than that, but the irrelevant, well, why not? Is that more entertaining than uh, Georgia-Florida State was? <laughs> I think it probably would be. The, you know what would be competitive. What's Vanderbilt done with all that SEC money? That's what I want to know. If Produce you're a in great the baseball program. Ball, yeah. yeah, they got a good baseball Some program. decent men's I'd men's probably men's. watch. All right, the camera angle from last night's broadcast was yep. just a little bit high. Should yep. we start using this camera angle I think, I think, uh, yeah. on our show? This is the equivalent camera angle of... <laughs> if they had just put it at the top of the lower bowl, like in the mezzanine level, they would have been fine. But, um, yeah, th this is ridiculous. <laughs> no. <laughs>
Welcome to Waco. Right yeah. Here. Two hundred twelve million seat. bucks. Here's your TV camera angle. <laughs> it's probably a nice arena. Which, by the way, a couple of BYU fans that went said it was fantastic. It looked good. It just looked different, no. and the camera angles were not good. This just in: those who are watching on TV are more than they in the stadium. You have right. to think about them too. All right. Let's bring you back. Uh, <laughs> bring you back from Texas. Deep Blue Podcast with Jason Shepard features BYU men's volleyball outside hitter, Mixed Ramanus. Ramanus. We talk about his Latvian heritage, getting invited to play for the Latvian national team, how he found BYU through divine guidance, and much more. It's a great Deep Blue podcast, and you can find it wherever you find your podcasts. I checked it out. I really liked it. It's a good yeah, episode. Good. Okay, coming up, the story of Townsend Triple in a brand new Deep Blue. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. The camera angle's back uh, on the right level here. Everything's good. Uh, Let's go. Love the deep blue features that we have on the program. And today we feature Townsend Triple, whose faith and family have allowed him to grow up in all the places that he grew up. His decision to not play on Sundays led him on a path here to BYU, where he's making a positive impact on his teammates and coaches. This is Deep Blue. We built a house in North Carolina and uh, there was a lot of storms that would hit North Carolina, hurricanes. And uh, Wendy and I said that our kids are gonna be part of that building process. So we had the kids dig the foundations and the footings underneath their bedrooms. And then we built the house on top of those. And it was very purposeful in that if a storm came, they knew that they had been through that tough part, but yet that had made the house stronger and it made them stronger and they could handle that storm better. I can't say two words about Townsend without talking about his family because he won't say two words about Townsend before he talks about his mom and his dad and the life that they've given his dad is an Air Force pilot. Because of his job, we moved around quite a bit. And in regards to sports, when it came to us moving, that meant I was on a bunch of different sports teams. He would have to reintroduce himself to a whole new group of people, teams, classrooms, all of that every time we moved. And I'm sure that was hard for him. It forced me to, uh, to kind of connect with a bunch of different people. I would be on a team for a year or two, and then I'd be relocated to another state and have to start over again. And so that meant I had a lot of clean slates, but it also meant that I didn't have an established um, kind of support group. And because of that, it also made me really close to my family because they were my constant support and my number one fans from day one. And it's just second nature to him now where he just rolls in and says, this is what I've got and this is where I need to go, and he does it. I had heard about this kid from that had moved in. My first impression of Townsend is just a goofy, long kid standing on the court. He literally stole a half-court pass and went down and just tomahawk dunked it on a guy. And then they tried to inbounds the pass. He kept he caught that pass too in the corner, turned around, nailed a three from the corner, and just jogged back. And I was like, I mean, this kid's like what 15 years old at the time. And I thought, oh. That kid's going to be good. But of course, in the competitive nature of sports, there's always going to be people that are trying to put you down. 
there was a guy that when I was training in Townsend, this guy would come over every time we were down there training. And, and he'd say, James, this guy will never play Division One. This guy will never play Division One. And I'm sitting right there, and he addresses that, and he tells me that. I kind of think, well, OK, like, I appreciate you telling me that because now it gives me a little bit of that fire. But that's not my sole drive because I know my worth. I know I'm going to put in the hard work. Get up early in the morning to go practice, to stay late after practices, to do whatever he needed to do to prove that that one guy didn't know what he was talking about. He was a big-time basketball player. Like, he, his sophomore, junior, senior year was putting up big-time numbers and was getting recruited. And he, he has such devotion for his faith. And one of the tenets of his faith is that he doesn't, you know, he keeps the Sabbath day holy. And for him, that meant not playing basketball on Sundays. It was definitely a time for me to develop that testimony and that faith, just trusting that he would bless me, whether that meant it was in basketball, whether that meant I would be healthy, whether that meant I wouldn't see those blessings until the next life. I'm going to keep training, you know, my heart out and still play Friday and Saturday, but I just won't compete on Sundays. And so a lot of the club teams didn't like that. They wanted me to play on their teams, but they wanted me to play on Sundays if I was going to be on their A team. Um, because again, the Sundays were the championship games and they didn't think it was fair for me to come in and, um, and play and then on the championship games, the championship days leave. Eventually the concept, as, as, as the kids got better and better and there were more of a group that didn't want to play on Sundays, we eventually just decided what if we just created a team that didn't play on Sundays and use that as our recruiting tool? We called it Reppin because we were repping our high schools, but then we changed the name to 6543. If you break up the syllables, it's 65 for three because all the guys on the team, we we're at least 6'5 or taller. So everyone had an opportunity to play at point guard, wings, forwards, posts, all the different positions and kind of develop their skills as all-around basketball players. It's just a bunch of kids that chose to do the right thing together as a team. And if that was forego games on Sunday, if it was just being better kids than they were supposed to, they kind of banded together and did that. But as often goes, you know, you make choices like that. It's a faith choice. And every faith choice has consequences, good and bad. And there were some good consequences that came out of this one. You know, he kept, he kept at it and he was at the right place at the right time when he had a great game and Coach Pope was in the stands. He has unbelievable belief in himself because he knows who he is and he's okay with being who he is right now because he has a clear vision of who he's gonna become. He's a very growth mindset young man and that is why he is so special. Where you're like, yup, this young man is built different. He understands sacrifice and something bigger than himself and living to a standard, the three things we care about in this program. And when we see kids like that, we believe that they can become anything. And certainly he's proving that to be the case. In my time in sports, Nike had just come out with this phrase, just do it. We always had uh, this friction a little bit with just do it being a one-time thing. And so we modified the phrase to keep doing. Don't just do it once or twice, but keep doing it. So keep doing, Townsend. 
Deep Blue with Townsend Triple. He's a guy that uh, comes in off the bench at the end of games. BYU's winning big and uh, has an impact. And in practice, he's part of that practice squad that gets these guys ready. And cool to see his story, man. The backgrounds that build these kids are so fascinating. And uh, love to see them. Great story. Tonight, women's basketball are going to try to come up with their own story. Looking for their first win in the Big 12. Taking on Houston on the road, Jason Shepard with the call 8 o'clock Eastern on BYU Radio. Were you more encouraged or discouraged from BYU's loss to Baylor last night? We'll hear from more of you after the break. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Is this, were you more encouraged or discouraged by BYU's loss to Baylor last night? Our elite voice of the day is presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated at Playoff Bogey on X. Encouraged, BYU didn't look like they could run any offense versus Cincinnati. The way BYU went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the Big 12 for most of this game showed BYU can't compete in this conference, pick up the pieces, and win versus UCF. It's a long season. Yeah, there's still 16 Big 12 games left. Right. And again, if you can win seven of these coupled with the 12 non-conference wins, 19 wins, I believe that BYU will be in at that point. Go get one Saturday and relax a little bit. Come home to a full Marriott Center on Tuesday, take on Iowa State. You take down Iowa State, then all is forgiven in the college basketball world because they just took down number two Houston. You're two and two. And, and you're yeah, feeling, we're yeah. feeling so much different than yep, today. Yep, exactly. That's the beauty of this season. They keep playing games. Today's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Uh, Rise and Shoutout to the water bottle, who uh, sacrificed itself. The ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, Mark Durant tweeting, posted without comment. Mark Pope uh, upset during the game. Hey, we were all upset. We just uh, express it in different ways, right? And uh, Mark Durant and Greg Rubel and Tyson Jax getting a little splash there. Yeah, yeah, Pope show tonight. We'll see what he has to say. <laughs> well, thanks to tonight's, uh, today's guest, Jonathan Tavernari. Conversation continues 24-7, Instagram, Facebook. This and all our shows are on demand at BYUSN.com. Sorry to Dennis Pitt, we ran out of time for Dave. I'm Jeremy. Shout out to Archie Rose. Check out Women's Hoops at Houston tonight, 8 Eastern on BYU Radio. Go Cougs!